1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 and 4, and also from verses 7 to 11. If you can help at the back with the noise, please, so that when people are coming in, they are they come in quietly. I'd, I'd appreciate that. Thank you. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Verse 4 says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, and to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills i want to say a few things and I think as we've been focusing on the outpouring of the Spirit, um, I think we've, what we've been hearing has been absolutely brilliant. And um, I've been really blessed and encouraged. Um, I want to talk about this because I think that as a church, we've been praying a lot for the power of God and the move of the Holy Spirit. And I think it is important for us to be able to know what begins to happen, especially when we gather together the way in which the Holy Spirit reveals his power. Now, most of you here will probably not be familiar with this, but in the 90s, there was a move of God that was commonly referred to as the Toronto Blessing, in which a lot of wonderful things happened, and often there were um, bouts of laughter and crying and barking and roaring and all kinds of things that happened with that move. And many people tended to refer to those things as manifestations of the Spirit or manifestations attributed to the Holy Spirit. But they were not manifestations that the Bible is referring to here. They were reactions to the Holy Spirit. So the laughing and the crying and the barking and all those things were not bad in themselves, but they were not the Holy Spirit. They were reactions to the Holy Spirit. So when the Spirit would come upon people, if he, sometimes deliverance would be taking place, sometimes healing would be taking place, sometimes just um, strengthening would be taking place, and different reactions would take place. The reason I can confidently say that is because the Bible here tells you what manifestations of the Holy Spirit are. Manifestations of the Spirit are the expressions or the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And they are ways in which he, God the Holy Spirit, demonstrates what he is like, demonstrates his character or his nature. And uh, these manifestations are supernatural. They, were, they are all supernatural. Now, just in my studies concerning the Holy Spirit, one of the things I realized is there are manifestations of the Spirit, and there are also offices of the Spirit. I don't want to talk about the offices. 
I want to dwell on the manifestations. And maybe another time we'll teach into that. But the manifestations of the Spirit, he lists nine of them. Word of wisdom. What is that? This is the supernatural ability to apply knowledge correctly so that God's purposes are established. So, for instance, when the Lord Jesus was asked a question, who should we pay taxes to? Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we give it to him or not? And the reason why they asked that question was to trick him. And Jesus' response was, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And by giving that answer, he was able to expose their heart and also solve the riddle. And the answer rendered to Caesar, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, was the word of knowledge. Because, sorry, there was the word of wisdom. Because the word of wisdom is a statement that is able to solve a tremendous puzzle. And there are different ways in which it occurs. Another example was when Solomon was brought um, a, a child. Two women had brought him a child. Both were claiming it was their child. It wasn't DNA tests in those days. And so... Um, one said it was their child, the other said it was their child because the other one formerly uh, had slept on a child and killed a child. So Solomon said, bring me a sword, cut the child into two and give one half to this one and the other half to that one. When he said that, the mother of the child said, no, it's all right, let the woman have the child. But the one whose child it was and said, yep, cut the child up. I, if I, I can't have the child and she can't have the child, and that clearly showed you who the mother is. So the word of wisdom was cut the child in two. Because by saying that statement, it revealed and solved the problem. So words of wisdom are supernatural in their origin in that they are simple st statements or sentences or insight God will give that solves a riddle, a puzzle. Then you have word of knowledge. What is this? We've seen a lot of it in our church. We're quite used to seeing it. This is a supernatural revelation of information about a person, about an incident, or about a situation which was not previously known by the recipient. Now, often the purpose of words of knowledge is to give us information so that it can boost faith, it can increase faith, and also so that it can then cause us to be able to provide a solution. And I find in my ministry, I tend not to like a lot of information about people I minister to, simply because at times if I have too much information, it actually hinders how I flow. Because what I tend to find happens with me in particular is that the less I know, the more I can move in revelation, not clouded by the knowledge of people's situations. And the more effective faith can be built up and released. Then you have gifts Oh, oh, sorry, not gifts, um, faith. Now, this word faith here is a gift of faith. This is not the normal faith that we have where we believe in Jesus or where we read the word and we grow in faith and so forth. This is not what this is. This is the supernatural ability to believe and trust God for the impossible. In that, in, with this one, it is the supernatural emptying of doubt. So at a given point in time, you, it is impossible to doubt when this anointing comes upon you. It's impossible to doubt. Now, I've experienced this a few times, and in the context when I've experienced this, afterwards, if I had the same thing that happened, I wouldn't have faith for it. Because at that particular point, 
I was supernaturally anointed with faith beyond my level of faith. Now, the reason why I say this is because there is a difference between you developing your faith in the Word of God where you can operate by will because you believe what God's Word says. And this anointing, this is a supernatural anointing of faith where your faith level is way beyond what you would normally operate in. Now, we see this with Joshua. When in the battleground, he commands the sun to stand still. Anointing of faith comes upon him. He commands the sun to stand still and the moon to stay in its place. And it happened like that. I've had one or two incidents. I won't go into it because of time. Now, the, the next one is the gifts of healings. It's a very interesting manifestation of the spirit here. These are the supernatural intervention of God into restoring a sick person to health. And it can apply into any area of a person's health, physical, mental, or emotional, or even spiritual. The point here is that it's called gifts of healings. In other words, the way it operates, it's, it's, a, it's a, a vast range of ways in which the healing gifts of the Holy Spirit are administered. Uh, this one in particular, we could spend a lot of time on it, but we don't have time. And then the next one is working of miracles, which is the divine intervention of the power of God into the natural occurrence of things, where the anointing will reverse, it will suspend or undo something that has occurred in creation. Uh, and so by the power of the Holy Spirit, what will happen is it can reverse something, it can recreate something new by the power of God because the hand of the Lord is literally released into that context. It's the creative power of God that is released. Gifts of healings is the restorative power of God that is released. Working of miracles is the creative power of God that is released. Now, the other thing about working of miracles is that when God uses people in this dimension, they, he often combines an action that the person being used will do in faith with what the Spirit of God wants to do. So, for instance, um, um, our, our friend um, Tim Grant gives an example where there was a young girl whose leg was basically bent, and the Spirit of God told him to straighten the leg. And so, as he was straightening it, people that were watching, the girl was in pain. So, she started screaming. So, the people um, wanted to beat him up. You know, the preacher, they wanted to beat him up because... This girl is screaming, he's trying to straighten her leg, and it wasn't happening. And he thought, oh, my Lord, I've missed it now. And then suddenly, the girl then breaks off and runs, and the leg is completely straight. And then they all believe what he had to say. <laughs> it better work. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth apparently used to punch cancers out of people. It better work. If you punch anyone, it better work. Otherwise, you're going to get a lawsuit. Um, and, and, and don't say Pastor Joseph said working on miracles because that's your stupidity. But having said that, having said that, um, what tends to happen with this is that that's why it's called working of miracles. You work with the Holy Spirit and bring about the miracles. So you see in the Bible, for instance, Elijah tells them, or Elisha, I can't remember, tells them to throw the wood into um, where the axe was and as they threw it there, the axe floated. Or Jesus will ask them to bring their bread. They will bring something and then he will use what they bring and then they will multiply. So God works with us 
when it comes to working of miracles. Then you have prophecy. Now, this is the ability to bring a message from God to an individual and an audience under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, when it's a gift of prophecy, it is different from the normal kind of prophecy. So there are different levels of the prophetic. This one is where the Holy Spirit will anoint someone to bring a prophetic word that goes beyond that person's level of faith. Now, the scripture tells us to prophesy in proportion to our faith. So, for instance, if I was going to prophesy as I feel moved, I might say the Lord loves you, he wants to do da 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 in your life. And it will be as I felt moved and I'll give it in relation to my faith. But when it's a gift of faith, what will happen is this. The anointing will come upon you and you will say things that you would not want to say. So, for instance, I might say, the hand of the Lord comes upon you. Three years ago, this happened to you. And then you walk down the road. And then suddenly this happened. But now God says, this is going to happen tomorrow when you get up in the morning. Now, that kind of level, you better have an anointing. Because you can't get it wrong. And, and so an example of this is our dear friend um, um, and senior man, Prophet Anna, where he prophesied about a Ghanaian becoming the head of the UN after an Egyptian was the head of the UN. And after he gave the prophecy, people said to him, that is not possible because an African leader has already been in charge of the UN. So it can't happen again. And he himself started doubting and saying, oh God, why did you let me say these things? Because he didn't prophesy on his normal level. He prophesied under the gift of prophecy. That's the difference. And then you have gift of tongues. This is the gift to supernaturally give a message in an unknown language to another person. Now, this is not the same as your prayer language. And this is where a lot of people get confused. Gift of tongues is not the same as your prayer language. Your prayer language is your, the Holy Spirit empowering you to be able to pray with your human spirit anytime you desire. Gift of tongues is where the Spirit of God anoints you supernaturally to speak a message out in tongue as he moves you to. You cannot do this in your own, um, at your own will. Now, when the gift of tongues is operating, what it tends to do is it triggers the other gifts. It triggers the other gifts where, and it triggers moves and manifestations of other manifestations or other anointings of the spirit where visions will begin to take place, teachings will be released, faith will be released, prophecy will be released, as well as interpretation of tongues will be released. And what the gift of tongues is, what people don't realize is, it is a supernatural anointing that will come upon a person. And sometimes people will give a, a, a message, or a gift of tongue, they'll speak in tongues. And then somebody else will come and interpret the tongue. And the interpretation might be a prophecy. It might be a, a, a scripture they will read. It might be a song they'll sing. But it is, it is the gift of tongue that is supernatural. So the supernatural element is the fact that the Holy Spirit anointed someone to speak regardless of how they wanted, how they felt to speak. And then last but not least is the interpretation of tongues. Interpretation of tongues is not translation of tongues. It's not a translation. It's interpreting the heart of what the Spirit was communicating in tongues. So for instance, an example of this in the Bible is in Daniel where... Um, there's a writing on the wall, mine, mine, tekel, you fasting, which is four words, numbered, numbered, um, 
numbered numbered, you fasten, which is um, Persians, and then the Medes. Um, so basically, what, what he was saying is, num- sorry, numbered numbered weighed Medes. So it's just four words, numbered numbered weighed Medes. So the, the, the word that was written on the wall was actually Chaldean. But the interp- what it meant, they didn't know. So Daniel looks at it, and under the anointing of interpretation, he says, numbered, numbered, the days of your kingdom are numbered. You f- weighed. Your kingdom has been weighed and found wanting. Um, and then um, you fasten. Um, number, um, mini, mini, teku, you fasten. You fasten. Persians, your kingdom will be divided between the Medes and the Persians. Actually, a, a, another rendition says Paris. Medes and the Persians. So basically, four words... 28 words in the interpretation. And what you have to understand is interpretation of tongues can vary from a literal interpretation of the tongue to bringing a response to the tongue. So a tongue can go out as a prayer and the response will come from God as a prophecy. A tongue can go out and the response will come as a vision or as a, some kind of encouragement and so forth. All right, that's a quick, uh, a quick guide on the nine manifestations of the Spirit. And these nine manifestations are in three categories, gifts of revelation, gifts of communication, and gifts of power. Gifts of revelation are gifts that reveal something. They are word of wisdom, word of knowledge. I've missed that one. Discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits, this is the supernatural ability to be able to know what kind of spirit is operating or is influencing a context, whether it's God, whether it's the Holy Spirit, whether it's angelic spirits, whether it's demonic spirits, whether it's human spirits that is operating. And what even what kind of angelic spirit or what kind of demonic spirit and where it's operating and how it's operating and why it's operating. Often the gifts, they work together. So gifts of revelation are gifts that reveal something. And then you have gifts of communication. These are gifts that say something. And then you have gifts of power. These are gifts that do something. Now, the wonderful thing about the gifts is this. Anybody who is born again has the potential to be used by God. So I'm going to give you some thoughts about these. The first thing is this. They are spiritual and they are always supernatural. They are spiritual and they are always supernatural. 1 Corinthians 12, 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Why does he say that? Because it is very, very easy to have a wrong understanding about these gifts. I've heard people say something like gift of tongues is you learning another language. Uh, or gift of tongues, or, or, or you don't need to prophesy anymore. Or anytime you're preaching the word, the, preaching the word is like prophecy. There's a lot of ignorance concerning these things. Uh, and then... The second thing is this. These gifts, they are momentary and for a specific purpose. So when the anointing comes, it is just for a context. It cannot be repeated. Whether it's a prophecy, whether it's a tongue, whether it's a healing gifts. And um, let me say this about the healing gifts, for instance. You will find that at times the anointing will come under gifts of healings. Anointing will come for people to be healed at a particular time, and the people are not there. Unfortunately, when that happens, if faith is not released, that person will not be healed. One of the things about healing that you have to understand, and even about anything spiritual, is that 
they are received and appropriated by faith. So if you do not allow your faith to unite with what God is saying, then you can lose what God wants to do in your life. So they are momentary and they are for a specific purpose. Also, they are given as the spirit wills. And like I've already said, cannot be repeated by an individual's choice. So this is why it is so wonderful whenever we gather together and we're worshiping and so forth, that you learn to respond to what you feel God is saying because you can't repeat it. Or if, let's say, you're at home and God gives you a prophetic word, write it down. Write it down there and then because sometimes you may think that you can bring it again and you can't do it. But if you write it down, then what you've written, now remember the Bible is a book of prophecy. It's prophecies that people wrote, I believe, under the gift of prophecy. Under the gift of prophecy. Because they spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Fourth point. They can be encouraged. Now this is the good one. They can be encouraged and courted. Whilst you cannot of your own volition summon the gift, you can court it. But it is up to the Holy Spirit. An example of this is Elisha. In 2 Kings 3.15, when he wanted to consult the Lord, he says in 15, now, but now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. So Elisha, knowing that uh, Ahab wanted to kill him, asked for a musician. Um, Ahab wanted to inquire if the Lord was blaming the Lord about something. And so he, he, he asked for a musician. And then as the musicians played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. That word hand literally means God's power that is being released, that is being released to do something. So you can encourage an atmosphere where the hand of the Lord in these nine manifestations can be released. Now, for Elisha, it was music, a skilled musician, an anointed musician. But there are other ways. Speaking in tongues is one of the best ways I find. Reading the scriptures is another way. Just reading the scriptures over and over again can cause your spirit to sync with the Holy Spirit. Another way, in fact, the Bible tells us, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, is another way. Where you're just quietly just singing to the Lord. It's another way in which you can allow the anointing of the Spirit to come upon you. Number five. These gifts, they operate best through love. Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So when your heart is that you want to be a blessing to somebody, you want to encourage somebody, you want to strengthen somebody, you want to help somebody, then it's easy for the gifts to flow through you. It's easy. When your heart is that you're not worried if you're wrong, all you want to do is to be a blessing, all you want to do is to help someone, then it becomes easy for the gifts to flow through you. Sixth point, they should be desired and prayed for. 1 Corinthians 12.31, he says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, what is the best gifts? The best gifts are the gifts that are needed in a given context. If I need you to scratch my back and you decide to scratch my leg. You're not helping me. It's what is needed that is best 
at a given point in time. Are you listening to me? 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, why does he say especially that you may prophesy? Because people can benefit a lot more from prophecy. Uh, prophecy has the potential to help a lot more people than any of the other gifts. So, like, like, like right now, right now, this meeting that we have, this wonderful meeting of these beautifully gathered people that are looking at me here and those of you online. If I had prophets are not here, I don't think there'll be any space. Because the, the prophecy, we want to hear the prophecy. And some of you who don't say anything, you'll be saying, prophesy, prophet, prophesy. You'll be wanting, and you'll be there, me too, me too. And your prayer, your prayer will be suddenly, God, like that. But because it's me standing here, you are, you are free. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. It's changing in Jesus' name. Uh, so they should be desired and prayed for. Now, when he says um, desire spiritual gifts, you have to understand the context. It is not to an individual, it's to a whole church. I am convinced that the reason why we do not see the manifestation of the Spirit the way we need to is not that he's not there like Noah was alluding to earlier, is that we are not encouraging it to come. We are not tuned to allow him to flow through us and to us. I, I, I believe that the reason why the poor in the context that um, Jonathan was sharing earlier on tend to see more miracles in that is because that's all they can look for. They don't have anything else to look for. So if God doesn't show up, there's nothing else there. But we, we have all the other props. We have overdraft to help us. We have, we have loans. We have we have the NHS that we complain about to help us. We have friends, rich uncles and aunts to bail on. We even have the church if all else fails. So, um, so, so at times, at times, we don't actually, we put God way, way, way over there. But when it comes to the gifts, the reason why we are to desire and pray for them is the more you welcome him, the more you look for him, the more you desire him, the easier it becomes for him to manifest. Seven, the level of manifestation is dependent on our expectation. The level on which these gifts will manifest depends on what you expect. And so we are encouraged not to quench the spirit. Now, first Thessalonians 5, 19 to 21 says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold far what is good. Now, what is the context there? Do not quench the spirit. In other words, do not put out the spirit's fire. Do not despise prophecies. So it's like you put out the spirit's fire by not really appreciating the prophetic. And also, when you, it doesn't mean that you should be gullible. So you should test everything and then you hold fast to what is good. That, that's like the balance there. But the point is your expectation is very important. Your expectation is very important. And then the last thing is this. They operate by faith. These gifts operate by faith. So at times, the Spirit of God will come upon you in a manifestation, but if you refuse to exercise your faith, it won't happen. I have seen, I have, by the grace of God, I have seen quite a bit of powerful things that has happened. Um, sometimes, I have been in two minds. 
and then I've decided to just trust God and do it anyway. And I've seen amazing things. Sometimes I've stepped out believing the Spirit of God was anointing me, and He wasn't anointing me. So, and then I've, I've, I have failed. So, what I've learned is that regardless, to still seek to exercise my faith. And if I fail, it doesn't matter. Just keep doing it, and you'll find that over time, your success rate will become higher than your failure rate. Now, I want you to see this scripture here. Galatians 3, verse 2, and also verse 5. He says this. This only I want to learn from you to the Galatians. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's a rhetorical question. In other words, Galatians, you received the Spirit through the hearing of faith. It's through the hearing of faith that you receive the Holy Spirit. Again, we heard this earlier on. It is as we allow ourselves to hear the word of God, as we allow ourselves to receive the word of God, whatever he say, and believe what God's word is saying, that we are able to allow this, receive the Spirit. I remember the first time I spoke in tongues, I was not in a church context, I was jogging. And when I uttered the three words in tongues, I said, I, I, I felt really funny, but I also said, this is me. You're making it up. This is just me. And every time I, afterwards when I would pray in tongues, I just felt like it was just me. I didn't know what the Bible said about it. So imagine my surprise when I read in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays by understanding is unfruitful. I was surprised. And then he said, I will pray with the spirit, I'll pray with the understanding also. In other words, I can choose to pray with the spirit and I can choose to pray with the understanding whenever I want. It's the same. But if I don't believe it, it won't happen. If I doubt it, I won't do it. If I think it's not of God, I won't do it. In the same way with the things of the spirit, if you doubt what is happening, then you will quench the spirit operation in your life. Look at verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Again, the working of miracles. Again, supplying the spirit and the working of miracles is done through the hearing of faith. The word of God. So, the faith of the individual is always amplified under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to the one that he's going to use in a certain way. So whatever level of faith you have, he will, he will anoint you in such a way that you can reach out for more and see more happen. But you still have to reach out. You still have to exercise your faith. Now, I want to just say and conclude with this because we don't have time. Tokens of the manifestation of the Spirit. How do I know when, I, when the Spirit is anointing me? To be honest with you, a lot of what I'm going to say is subjective. You could easily, to be frank with you, you could easily attribute this to some kind of psychosis, you know, all imagined in your head. That's the truth. I'm just being totally honest with you, right? So that's why it's important so that you understand that scripturally speaking, some of these things actually do happen within the context of the Holy Spirit. Um, because at times people cancel out what God is doing with them. They say, oh, this must be me. Or this is oh, oh, what's happening to my body. Or oh, 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 I, I don't want to talk about this. So let me give you a few things. Well, number one, a strong sense of conviction to say or do something. You just have a strong sense of conviction. Sometimes 
Compassion is a trigger. So you see, Jesus was moved with compassion, and then he would minister. So you have a strong sense of conviction about something, and to do something within a specific context. Or when it comes to something like prophecy or tongues, interpretation of tongues, you have an urge to speak out. You have an urge to speak out. In my early days as a believer, um, after being spirit-filled, in the service, I would have the urge to prophesy. And nobody told me about these things. I did it for a few times and then I stopped because I thought that I was doing the wrong thing. And nobody else would prophesy. The anointing would come sometimes and I'd have the urge to give interpretation of tongues. People will give out a, t- a message in tongue and I'll feel the urge, but I won't give it because I was told, woe unto them who prophesy, who say that says the Lord when the Lord does not say anything. So in the end, there'll be no interpretation. And this went on for quite a while in, in our church. Because there was no teaching about it. I didn't know that God was using those times in my formative years to prepare me for these days. So the point is, that urge to speak, you should just speak. Also, sometimes you see something in your mind's eye, in a silhouette form or in a picture form or even in a vision. And that's one of the ways in which God wants to anoint you. Or you get heat sensations. Now, I understand menopause, not that I've gone through it myself, but... uh, I know that, that, that you have hot flashes, but that's not what this is. This is where, like, for instance, I'll get a burning in my hands, a burning around my body. These are indications to me of the spirit's activity, um, of the anointing. Also, sometimes people have like a cooling or ice kind of sensation, a water sensation, or an oil sensation in their hands, um, or in their body, or in their head, as signs of anointing. And sometimes a feeling of electricity like sensations in their body. I remember once I was ministering in Ghana and I was preaching, preaching, preaching and then I did this and I felt and the, people, the person felt that and I thought, well, what's going on here? I got scared. So I was like, okay, is this speaker thing got a problem? No, no, Martin, if you remember, it was that thing that you were doing. And then I went and ministered to someone else, and then they were falling off. I was like, oh, it wasn't nice. I'm like, oh. And then someone over there went, receive. And then they fell off. Oh, I don't like this. So I, I, I said, I actually said, is there something wrong with this thing? I'm, I'm getting electrocuted. But at the same time, people were being touched by the power. So I was confused. So later on, I was talking with Prophet Daniel, and I said, I had this thing. And he said, you know, he too, at one day he was ministering and people said, ah, well, you've got some shocker in your hands as you touch him, I'm getting electrocuted. So I felt a bit better, I'm not the only one. So sometimes, some of the, these are some of the ways. And another, another way, sometimes you just end up saying or doing something without thinking about it under the anointing. Now, it doesn't mean that like you slap people without thinking about it, I'm not talking like that. But you, say, you, you start saying something or start doing something and then you see yourself doing it. These are some of the ways in which at times the Spirit of God wants to use you. Now, we don't have any more time. I want to conclude with this. Desire is the key to the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, he was saying it not just to individuals, but to a whole community. So our local churches need to be environments that are desiring the gifts that are encouraging the gifts. So like tomorrow in the service, for instance, as we're worshiping, when we say to you, if you have a word to bring or anything, respond to what you feel God is saying.
You might find you start getting heat sensations in your hands. Ask the spirit, what is this? You might get something pop into your mind. At times, you get like a word will pop into your mind that you're not thinking about when you ask the question. Often when you ask the Holy Spirit a question, the first thought that comes to you is the one. You get a, a thought and then you doubt the thought. And then you will rationalize the thought. And then you will reject the thought. And then you will even replace it with something else. No. Learn to go with the first thought that comes. Lord, what are you saying? I'm saying you need to repent. Don't say, I rebuke you, devil. You say, yes, Lord. Lord, what are you saying? I'm saying end that relationship. Devil, you're a liar. No. (laughs) No. The first thought, honestly, is often the one. And also at times when God speaks to you, he speaks to you in a voice you are familiar with through your conscience. This is one of the most important truths about how God speaks. Through your conscience, primarily. Through your sense of right and wrong, primarily. And then sometimes he will speak to you with a verse, a scripture. A scripture verse. He'll give you like a scripture verse. Or he'll speak to you through a song. You have a song coming into your heart. These are ways in which you can tell when the Spirit of God wants to speak to you. But as a community, you must desire it. We must desire I believe we can desire any gift, but it doesn't mean it will operate through us as individuals. So if as a church we design healing, 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 the healing will be released, but not necessarily through the person who prayed for healing to be released, but it will be released to the community that is asking for it. And then we must be willing to wait long enough until he clothes us with fresh anointing, fresh oil of the Spirit. Luke 24, 49. Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. That word endued in the Greek means you literally, you sink into the garment of the Spirit, the clothing of the Spirit. You are baptized in the Spirit. You are enveloped in the Spirit. You wait until you are clothed. Now, I want to say this. Just like when, when we come and minister, we will spend time waiting on the Lord. On, on average, something like this would take me about th- actually preparing for this particular event. I must have spent a minimum of about 12 to 20 hours in prayer. Minimum. Minimum. For an event like this. Minimum. <laughs> minimum. Never mind the study. Never mind the study. You have to clothe yourself. With the Spirit. So if you're singing, if you're playing, if you're going to give somebody a word, if you want to be used, learn to clothe yourself with the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's stand. We don't have a lot of time, unfortunately. But now, if we can have the worship team come back. Let's let's just, uh, how many of you want to be used in this wonderful way? The Holy Spirit to take you and to use you in this wonderful way. There's so much more we're going to say and teach about this in the months to come locally anyway. Um, and, uh, but I just want to whet your appetite to desire spiritual gifts. One of the ways that helped me tremendously was to listen to teachings and read books and study it for myself and also put it to practice. And as I read books and as I studied and as I listened to teachings, and some amazing teachings, some of them old-timers who were amazing. As I listened to them, 
I got understanding and it empowered me. And I want to encourage you, if you want these gifts to operate through you more frequently, then give yourself to this. Why don't you right now raise your hands to the Lord and begin to just respond to him and just uh, ask him to touch your life afresh, rededicate yourself to him, say to him you're available to be used. Why don't you do that right now? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I've shared simply your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will now confirm your word in our lives in the, in the manner that only you can as we reach out to you. Shanda da da ba ba ya da da ba. 
I want the prayer release 